Hey, welcome back to Cresta in the Afternoon. I'm Marcus Peter filling in for Al Cresta. In this first segment, we're going to be talking about a prince who became a pauper and then a priest. He's a little-known 19th century priest. He was born into Russian nobility. He was Russian Orthodox, nominally so, but eventually became a Catholic priest missionary in America. He lived a life that can be modeled in heroic virtue for us today. His name is Father Demetrius Galatizin. Paul Prezia joins us to talk about Father Demetrius. Paul Joseph Prezia received his MA in history from the University of Notre Dame, Notre Dame in 2012. He now teaches at Gregory the Great Academy and lives in Scranton, Pennsylvania with his bride and child. Paul, how are you? I'm well, uh, Mr. Mr. Peter. You know, you can just call me Marcus, that's fine, but thank you. Uh, so, so, Paul, what, what prompted you to write about Father Demetrius? Well, it was, a, um, it was a, something that happened about 10 years ago, actually, now. Or 2000, actually, summer of 2014, I and my two brothers, we, did a, we went on a, on a walking pilgrimage from around Pittsburgh to Loretto, Pennsylvania, um, and Loretto is, is where Father Demetrius Galitzin, um, that's, that's, that's where he, that was, like the, that, was the, that was his base of operations. Um, I knew nothing about it, uh, about him at that time. I just knew um, about uh, a shrine there, <clears throat> a shrine uh, dedicated to Our Lady of the Alleghenies. Um, but uh, as, we, as we walked through and um, met people, we found out uh, more and more about uh, this, this priest, Father Galitzin, who had evangelized the whole area. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we got there, uh, it's really, Loretto is really uh, a testament to his work. There, um, there's a Carmelite convent there. There's St. Francis University, um, run by the same friars who, who run Franciscan University of Steubenville. Um, there's, uh, it's a very, it's a very Catholic town in a way still. Um, and it has, it had this shrine, but there was, there was just so much else. This beautiful basilica, um, that was built, I think on the same site as where Father Galitzin built that, that log, that log church that was his, his first, the first chapel in the area. It's almost um, sad that given all of these monumental achievements and, and all of these significant services that he did for the church, that very few of us know of him. Why do you think that is? That's, um, I, I don't have a good answer to that question. Uh, I'm trying, uh, I, wrote, I wrote that article um, as an attempt to, to start changing it, um, mm-hmm. being a native of, of Western Pennsylvania. Um, uh that's, that is really tough. I'm, I, I, if, if it, you, you can find on Google Books um, or online, you, you can find that uh, Catholics in that area cultivated his memory for a while. Mm. And um, there are there are books uh, online that I've been I've been reading when I get a chance uh, to read some. I just love kind of reading about his life. There are at least uh, two priests who wrote uh, biograph- biographical accounts of, about him. Mm-hmm. Um, but as to why he's not more uh, present as a as a 
to to all of us Americans as a um, as a, as someone who led a holy life and someone that we would want to, that we would want to, uh, to see uh, and, and invoked and, and try to get him um, to be to be recognized as a saint. I don't mm-hmm. know. And and that that's as good a question for anyone. Uh, so I'm talking to Paul Prezia, who authored this wonderful article in Crisis Magazine, The Prince Who Became a Pauper and a Priest. We're talking about Father Demetrius Galitzin. So what was Father Demetrius's background, just very briefly? So he comes from Russian nobility. So what does that mean? Was he was he truly a priest? Was he extremely wealthy? What what was that like? Well, it, it, he, he was he was extremely wealthy. He his father was um, one of the top. It was one of the top aristocratic families in Russia. They had ties. They had um, family ties to the Tsar, and he was a he was a he was a diplomat in France before the revolution. So he was a diplomat, one of the most powerful countries in the world at that time. Um, and then his his mother was. The daughter of a of a Prussian general, um, and was all, likewise a noble, and um, she didn't take her her faith very serious. Her she she was born Catholic. Mm-hmm. She didn't take the faith very seriously at first, but then through um, a series of different interactions, um, she began to take it more seriously, and um, and that's what led her. That's that's what led Father Galitzin and his sister eventually to embrace Catholicism mm-hmm. to the chagrin of his father, who was, was a free thinker, a friend of um, all the kind of atheists and deists mm-hmm. in the circles of Paris at that time. Um, although nominally, I think, as he mentioned, a, a Russian, uh, a member of the Russian Orthodox church, because right. he had to be in order to hold, hold a position. Right. Right. And and that was going to be my next question. He grew up and and came to a point of embracing the fullness of the Catholic faith amid a milieu of nominal Russian orthodoxy, but also these innumerable ideas, ideologies that were floating around in Paris at that time. So in this challenging intellectual arena, he finds his faith in Christ and his one holy Catholic and apostolic church. So tell us about that journey and how that led him to become a priest. Well, uh, it really his his mother is a big part of it, as I as I indicate in in the article. Um, and this, so she she it starts with her wanting to take a a, a greater role in the education of her children. Mm-hmm. She's she um, when she marries her husband Prince Dmitri, um, she's going to all the balls. All, um, he's involved in the whole kind of panoply of diplomatic events, but after a couple of years, she she tells her husband, "I just want to take, I want to make sure that my kids are educated well, um, not not educated uh, in a Christian way, just educated well." Mm-hmm. But that leads her to um, to uh, to Germany. Um, it leads her to uh, getting. A town where there was a, a school formerly run by Jesuits that was sort of being considered a, mo- a model and uh, a model school for that time period, and she came and she gets into touch with 
this family called the Drosts, who are very serious Catholics. Um, she wants her kids to imitate, to, to be like them. That leads to her investigating. Um, I mean, she, she, was, she, she was part of this milieu of, um, of, of enlightenment thought that was in, in part, at least, hostile to Catholicism. Mm-hmm. She, this, this, uh, this friendship and then this pursuit of her children's education led her to interrogate that more deeply. Um, and she ended up becoming friends with a lot of the great Catholic intellectuals at that time. Um, so it's in, I mean, Dimitri is really, this is, this is where I still, I, 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 I haven't read enough. I have, I, I still, at, at this point, it does seem like Dimitri is, is more kind of in his mother's shadow at this time. Or mm. the best way to say, he's kind of following, she's kind of pulling him along. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then when he's, um, when he, ex- when he, at the age of 17, when he accepts, uh, when he uh, is uh, confirmed and, and, and receives communion in the Catholic Church for the first time. After that, um, you, you start seeing, you start reading about hints of this deep interior life that's developing in him. But it's really when he comes to America as to sort of complete his education as a, as a Russian noble um, that all of a sudden, he decides I'm I'm entering seminary instead, mm-hmm. and it's from and and the big adventure of his life, at least in, in terms of what we can see, happens after after he goes through seminary. Right, and one of the first things that winds up happening upon embracing the priesthood is he he's just engulfed with this missionary zeal for the proclamation of the gospel. So we have under three minutes. I'd like to ask you to, to share with us his missionary zeal and how is that a model for us today? Yeah, there's a, there's a, lot, of, there's a lot of factors there. Um, well, first off, the fact that what, what led him to Loretto, to, to, to the, this, this settlement where he became this the, that he settled this 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 like hundreds of square mile parish was a sick call. Like he 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 is living um, kind of close, like in the in like the uh, Baltimore Gettysburg, like in and and he he he's partly actually running a mission. He's actually running a missionary circuit around there. When he gets this call from. Um, you know, 150 miles away, I think, or, and to to come to this settlement and um, bring this, uh, bring the wife of this Catholic guy who's there, but his wife was his wife's Protestant, um, but she's she's dying, um, and she wants to be received into the church. So he he rides. I mean, it's like the longest sick call ever. I think that's that's how you can almost sum it up. <laughs> it's the longest stick call ever is what plants him in this place that he's going to be for forty years mm. by him, uh, most of it by himself. Wow! Um, because there's just not a whole lot of resources in the Catholic Church at that time, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and, and it's this this stick call that brings him there. Um, 
So that, I think it, I think charity is the biggest thing. But he does get involved in um, some uh, pro, in, in apologetics properly, and but he's always extremely charitable but forthright in um, in how he. Uh, expresses and how he expresses his, poli- his his apologetics, and you know uh, that think- that's a perfect expression of. <laughs> Father Demetrius, and a wonderful place for us to uh, end off this segment. I want to thank you, for uh, Paul, for your, your time talking to us about Father Demetrius. For those of you interested, I've been talking to Paul Prezia, who authored the article in Crisis Magazine, The Prince Who Became a Pauper and a Priest. I urge you to stay tuned as we continue to have conversations of consequence with me, Marcus Peter, filling in for Al Cresta on Cresta in the afternoon. <laughs> 